so. Okay, we are studying the book of Zechariah, and we're still in Zechariah 3, uh, the fourth vision of Zechariah. And this one's just packed with interesting, uh, challenging revelation. And I tried to bite it off last week and didn't get through it, and I'm not sure I'll get through it this week, and that's just fine. Uh, but it's amazing. It contains these famous words. If, you're, if you were raised in the church, like I was, every once in a while I'd hear about a brand plucked from the fire. And quite honestly, I never paused to think, what is that talking about? Uh, and, and that's the good thing about reading the Bible slowly. You should pause and think, what is that talking about? And ask yourself that question and do a little research to figure that out. Uh, so let us get into it. I'm going to read the text. And then we'll pray, and then we'll be looking at primarily today, uh, as I say, part two, primarily verses six through ten, with a little bit of introduction. So let, let's hear the word of God. This is Zechariah chapter three, and it's it, it's these night visions. He's received a, a bunch of visions in this one night, and this is the fourth one. I'm quite sure. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Standing before the angel of the Lord, with, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now, Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, quote, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day, in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, 
every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. The Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, as I have said, add your blessing to the reading of your word. Amen. So let's, let's look at this. A tiny bit of review. Uh, first of all, let me explain what this whole fire from brand from the fire means. Uh, brand is, is really a kind of like a flaming stick. Uh, we think of it uh, like, you know, crest, toothpaste is a brand name, right? And uh, that's, this goes deeper than that. This is actually something that's in a fire, burning up, and it's taken out of the fire. The, the whole idea is Joshua, the high priest, just like all of the Israelites, have been under God's wrath in captivity and he's been taken out of the well-deserved wrath of God by a, a sovereign work of God. He snatched the stick out of the fire. Now, if you're camping, this, you do this all the time. You stick a stick in the fire, you light it on fire, and your parents say, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> and you swing it around, and at night it makes an interesting glowing uh, look. It's, it's kind of fun to do. Just be careful with that. Don't try this at home. <laughs> That's why we release the kids. We can't trust the pastor. <laughs> He'll suggest something insane. <laughs> but so the idea is, and, and, and we're to put ourselves in this situation. We are those who deserve the wrath of God. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. If you're not in Christ, you're condemned already. You know what? Give up hope in everything except Jesus Christ, okay? Because he reaches his sovereign hand into the fire and takes you out. And, you know, you're still suffering from the results of the curse. Even when we're saved, we're still broken and needy. And, and the Bible talks about we yearn and wait for the final redemption, the full, complete package of salvation when the one we said... We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And when he comes, he completes the whole package and we won't have any more burn marks on us. We'll be totally 100% restored. So, this is the way, let's look at this real quick. I, I've been using this verse as an introduction to this whole idea because Joshua is a high priest. And here, lo and behold, Peter tells us that we are a royal priesthood. There's four amazing descriptions in this passage. But you are a chosen race. The, you've heard of the word, uh, Christian doctrine called election. Uh, that word chosen right there, either left or right. <laughs> uh, the Greek word is election, electane. We're, we're chosen by God. He sovereignly chooses the church. We're a chosen race. I just love that. You know, we should celebrate this. Uh, because the church rises above other racial distinctions. That's what's, you know, what's way more important than my ethnic background is whether or not I'm in the church or not. Ultimately, that's all that really matters. <laughs> in heaven, we're not going to go, oh, I'm so glad that my mother's dad was Norwegian. <laughs> I mean, that's cool and everything. Uh, but what's more important is Jesus made me a part of a super race. 
that's above and beyond and eternal and way better than all other ethnic uh, distinctions. So the race, a royal priesthood. And royal is the word for kingly. We're, we're kings. Uh, in good theology, you learn that Jesus is the prophet, the priest, and the king. All capital letters to help us distinct that. We, his followers, are to be prophets, priests, and kings too. Uh, awesome combination. There's, and I have, you know, not that much time to exegete everything. Uh, a people for his own possession. And look, here's the purpose of these four things. Four things. Chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, and a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why he made the church. That we're a proclamation machine. I already said you're supposed to be a prophet, a priest, and a king. Um, and the prophet part is we're, we're excited about proclaiming. So I, I've been hitting on this the last few weeks. Jeremy first put it up. Uh, and I got to thinking about it. Um, it's cool because Peter, in, under God's inspiration decided to use uh, the word proclaim here. It's the only time this word is used uh, in the New Testament. Uh, and you've heard of the word angel. Uh, it's, it's basically Greek. The word angel is a Greek word. And it means the one who is a messenger. And this is ex angelos. Which means, ex means out and then messenger. We're, we're those who proclaim it out loud, we're aggressive in speaking of the excellencies of the one who took us out of darkness, out of the flame of God's wrath into his marvelous, look at that word there, marvelous light. Uh, it's it's, it's a, a fantastic light. Look at the sunshine today, right? We've had really gloomy weather, really gray for the last several days in Monterey. At least last week we certainly did, right? It was cool. And isn't it just lovely to see the sunshine? Light is marvelous. It's wonderful, okay? And we're taken out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're to be excited about it. And, and that's what this word ex angelo means. It really means, um, it's used, by the way, in in the Septuagint about four or five times. That means the Hebrew Bible translated into Greek. Okay? That's a good way to understand what the Greek language means in the New Testament. And here's a couple of verses uh, that do that. We'll, we'll narrow it down to one since I don't have all day. This is Psalm 79, verse 13. It says, "We, But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. So that last verb, recount your praise, is this word, exangelo. You guys look a little sleepy. You're not leaving a little sleepy. Just help me here. Say exangelo. Exangelo. Some of you didn't participate. Let's everybody go. Exangelo. That's your job. Period. You may leave. <laughs> and, and this is the content of that word. It means to be so excited 
about what has happened to you that you can't suppress the joy that you want to tell people about this. You're like a Houston, Houston Astros fan. Like, a miracle has occurred! <laughs> Something that never has happened before. Uh, you, you, you're excited about it. You want to tell people about it. It means to make known by praising and proclaiming, to celebrate. And, and notice the parallel between 1 Peter 2.9 and this verse from the Psalms that I just read. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. So that's our job. We're to be priests before God. But the big problem is, just like Joshua, we're there with our filthy clothes on, and we need intervention. We need help. And so this text clearly lays out that God, in his mercy and his sovereign work through Jesus Christ, offers us brand new clothes. He's, he takes off the filthy rags that we have and gives us his own perfect, clean clothing to wear his own righteousness. And now we shift gears to today's message. Salvation, this gift, calls for obedience. Let me read the text again. It's really rich and it has a lot in it. It takes me like two minutes to read. Verse 6. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua. There's no flippant, minor communication. You know, I've saved you. Now you're a high priest dressed in the righteousness of Christ. You're able to worship God. You're able to proclaim His excellencies because He saved you. I solemnly assure you of this. Thus says the Lord of hosts. If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Let's pause for a minute. This is the obedience. This is what God expects of Joshua. This is what he expects of all of us as this royal priesthood of God to be mindful. You know, I, I, I want to redeem this word from the pagan world. There's this thing that used to be called, uh, you know, meditation, uh, like like sort of a Buddhist sort of Zen sort of meditation. Now they're calling it mindfulness. Are you aware of this? Mindfulness. Well, you know, Christians should be mindful of the content of the gospel. Okay, we are mindful of the reality of everything. Hallelujah. This is fantastic. We should, we should own mindfulness. <laughs> He's saying, Joshua, I want you to think about what I have done for you. And if you walk in my ways and keep my charge. There's something cool about the grammar here of verse 7. Um, let me, hold on a second. I got my, my uh, yeah, let's work up to this real quick. Uh, these are some slides from last week. So this is what I'm saying. Salvation is not the lazy boy chair where, you know, you're saved, just sit in that chair. Everything's good. You know, you can do anything you want. You can spend your money any way you want. You can spend your time any way you want because God is so good, He's going to save you no matter what. But Paul says, should we sin so that grace may abound? And he says, no way, no way. 
No, it's not an easy chair. No, it's not that. It is this proposition of if-then in our verse today. If this, then that. First we have the if. We have if you walk in my ways. See, he's calling us to be mindful of our salvation and have it impact our life. If you, you have a pattern of life where you're following my ways, you're doing things the way I have asked you to do them. You're not ignoring me. You're not acting as if there is no God. You are following what I have told you to do. You're not denying it. You're living according to what I want you to do. And then this, I, I keep, I want to look at this for a second because there's a grammatical interest in verse 7 that I mentioned a few seconds ago. This word charge, this, this keep my charge, or actually this is the verb and this is sort of a noun based on the verb. Um, and it's found in this verse in Genesis chapter 2.15, the very first seminal responsibility of humanity it is, is brought up in Zechariah 3, 7. The same concept. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This is the word keep it. Uh, it's to be, to be mindful of the value of what is around you and to treat it as if it were valuable to God. This is our task, to understand God's creation and take care of it, to love it, love our children, love our husbands, love our wives, love our neighbors, love our world, love creation itself. Uh, keep it, keep it. I want you to be people who understand what's going on around you. Whoops to work it and keep it if you're keeping a, this is the Hebrew word it's would be that's the first letter shamar shamar look at this 450 times in the Old Testament that's huge this word is used a lot guess what this is important to God he created us created the world He's blessed us. He blessed us with blood and life and cells that work. And now he's saying, what are you doing with it? How are you investing it? Joshua, I did a lot to save you. Christian, I did a lot to save you. I literally put my hand in the fire. Christ took the wrath of God for us and snatched us out unworthy of his salvation to save us. So, the, these are the vowels. Ah, shamar. Shamar, four hundred fifty times in the Old Testament. It means to keep, to watch, to preserve, to protect, and to obey. You know, to obey like, I value your words, God. I, I will keep them. I will honor them with my action, and I will do what you're asking me to do. Let's spend a second and think about this whole idea of keeping. It, it's to understand what he's done for us and take action upon it. Uh, to 
understand the value he's put into our salvation. What does the Bible say? Let's see. It, you were saved by the precious, right? Precious blood of Christ. How, how precious is his blood? You know, I told the story about the Passover this morning. And, you know, your sweet little animal, a little lamb, you say, you know, fairly recently born lamb. You have to take a really sharp knife and cut its throat and collect the blood. That seems really awful because that's a sweet little lamb, right? Uh, I was talking with my daughter and son-in-law and they had some mice in their house and they didn't want me to kill the mice. They just wanted you know, shoo them away. <laughs> so I was suggesting, okay, you can do the bait or you can do the trap. <laughs> you know, we can get rid of these mice, but they have compassion for these mice. You know, I think it's uh, misplaced mis compassion, but there's this value in a mouse and a value in a lamb, right? How much more value in the Son of God, perfect, unworthy of death, the precious blood of the lamb. That's what he shed for us. Do we tread the blood of Christ underfoot when we do not keep what he has asked us? So God is saying, I want you to be mindful of this. And the, the, the keeping is interesting. As I said, I want to show you there's three times in this uh, verse. Verse 7, if you walk in my ways and keep my charge. The word charge is the same word. Meaning, you're understanding the value of something, and I'm giving you what is important here. So, guard this, protect this, this is my charge to you. And then, it's also, uh, later in the verse, then you shall rule my house and have charge in my courts. You know, you Christian, if you walk in my ways and understand my word and order your life according to my word, then you are going to rule in my house. What is the house of God? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he actually elevates you to reign in life. This is all from the book of Romans. I mean, that's from the book of Romans. You're to be a king of your own life. It's so exciting. God has high hopes for you. Big plans for you. Um, you're to rule my house. Now, yes, specifically, Joshua is to rule in the temple there in Jerusalem. But this is for all believers as well. And to have charge of my courts. God made humans to be important. We're to rule creation. We're to rule the garden. Keep it and work at it and, and make it better and make it beautiful. Uh, okay, that's the if, and here's the then. Then, if you do this, then you will, I've already said these things, there they are on the slides, you will rule the Lord's house and have charge of his courts. You'll have the right of access along with others. Did you see that in the text? There in verse 7. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Who can come to God? Only those who are forgiven and loved by God. 
Jesus Christ gives us access to God. Here's a couple of verses for that. This is so beautiful. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's Romans 5.2. And here is Ephesians 2.18. For through him, through Jesus Christ, we both have access, that's Jews and Gentiles, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And then one more, Ephesians 3.12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So here the point is simple. He's saying, if you obey me, then you're going to have more and more benefits of a relationship with me. You're going to rule your life. You're going to have charge of the courts. You're going to have the right of access. And then we're going to close with this. You will be a sign. Notice the text says, we're going to have to stop here. So uh, there's a lot here. (laughs) Here now, verse 8, look at this. Here now, Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. And then the sign is the sign of Christ, the branch and the rock, which we're going to open up uh, at a subsequent time. I just want to close with a thought. He says, you're going to be a sign. It fits with the whole theme of this message. God has saved you for a purpose. You have significance. A sign is significant, obviously related words. It says something. It points to something, right? A sign might mean right turn, left turn, stop, yield, all kinds of signs, right? And what is, what is our sign? By the way, the word here, let's see, let me see. Yeah, okay. The word here for sign means to be, have, a, a, it's a wonder. It's a, a portent. What is a portent? A portent is a sign or warning that something, especially something momentous or even uh, dangerous, is likely to happen. So we are a sign out in our society. We point to something bigger. And what do we point to? What does Joshua point to? It is none other than this. We're like a sign that says, caution, caution. What? God is. God exists. And our society is working very hard to persuade people that God does not exist. And, and every time you and I rebel, every time we read the Word of God and say it's boring or roll our eyes, every time we, we sin and give in to temptation, we're saying that God doesn't exist, really. He's not, re- he's not really there. He, he can't see this. He doesn't know what's going on. But we are to be a sign that God is real. And He is the Savior. And He's calling us to obedience. We'll close there. Father, thanks for these visions. And as we unpack them, Lord, may you add your blessing to the reading of your word. Amen.